Hello and welcome to this Marine Interiors Global Expo Special, a deep dive into cruise and ferry interiors. The third edition of the Marine Interiors Cruise and Ferry Expo takes place in September. With me, Holly Payne, Sea Trade Cruise Editor, Video Production and Deputy Editor, is Tal Danai, Founder and CEO of Artlink, and Last Cruise, Head of Design Group, Merwerft. So, first and foremost, I'd like to look at setting the course for sustainable marine interiors. A couple of months ago, we saw more than 80 executives from the maritime interiors community reveal they would be supporting the newly launched Sustainable Maritime Interiors Declaration, an initiative spearheaded by a group of designers and various maritime experts based around a declaration of advocacy and action for the environment. So please, could you explain to our listeners the growing importance of eco-sustainability in cruise interiors and how this is impacting ship design and build? Tal? I would let Lars go first and I'll join him afterwards. Take it away, Lars. Thank you, Tal. Thank you, Tal. Thank you, Holly, for the introduction. The influence on the importance of eco-sustainability is raising. I mean, we all know that we have to change something for the future of our nice planet. And uh, for sure, we are talking a lot of technology improvements, uh, how to operate the ships and um, how to run those. But also from the interior, we have a huge amount of possibilities to improve our eco-footprint. So therefore, we also have the responsibility looking for the utmost of improving. That starts, for example, with... Um, the uh, organizational logistic ways that uh, is on the materials, that is uh, how are we installing things, thoughts of how to recycle and uh, reuse materials uh, after the lifetime, for example, and uh, look into the whole process of designing, building and reusing on the uh, interiors parts of ships. And what about Artlink, Tao? Well, our side of eco-sustainability, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this as we go further, is cultural sustainability. We believe that in order for us as a global society to put an, an effort into our natural environment, we first need to establish a strong support embedded in our cultures and nourished by our communities. If we want to make that change, then we need to enable a system to look at the world from an authentic point of view that says, this is worth keeping. This is worth keeping for future generations, even though we are not going to be here. And to do that, we need a full cultural support behind eco-sustainability. We call that cultural sustainability. So when we are looking at art and craft and cultures, etc., which is Artlink's, if you want, raison d'être, then what we are actually trying to do is figure out what are those triggers that will enable us to push and maintain cultural sustainability that will support an eco-sustainable effort long-term. Tal, I'm really pleased to hear you speak about this. Something so important when it comes to preserving a cultural sustainability, especially when we speak about crafts, handicrafts and artworks. Um, with that in mind, 
are you able to share with me some cultural heritage aspects when it comes to interior design? How have you been able to capture that? Well, there are, of course, many different angles and approaches to that. But I think if we all understand that just like animals and plants and languages, crafts are disappearing as well. You know, the, our world becomes more and more complex, more and more technologically driven. And with that, we use a lot of machine or today we can say computer and robot manufactured goods. And our hands are getting further and further away from the objects that we use on a daily basis. Those disappearing crafts take with them community building blocks. Because if you think of a basket, for example, how would that be made in a given community? And almost every community made some baskets of some sort or, or canisters of some sort. They would usually go through generations. So the younger kids will collect the materials, the older one will beat them or process them into production. They get older, the, the mothers or fathers, if you want, will create the object and the elders will teach and supervise the process. If you take away that craft making from a community, you actually have taken away an instrument of building and sustaining that community. So if we can bring those back, if we can tap into those communities, which is what Arkling does, and find those elements and bring them back to life in a way that a space, a contemporary space on board a ship can entertain, being it in a stateroom or public area, then what we have done is we've given a spot for a focal point into a craft of a culture. Of course, we've funneled some funds into that culture as well, but we've reignited the process of making the craft, which is even more important than the funds funneled and brought back to life that process that is disappearing. Well, that's so worthwhile, such an important aspect. And as you mentioned, hearing you speak so passionately about the importance of tradition and how we really need to encourage the preservation of crafts and artworks and, and enable current individuals who are embarking on cruises to be able to appreciate those things and bring that into their into their sphere. So that leads me on to my next question, which is about charting new designs and concepts. Now, there are new builds coming, refit projects in the works, a lot of new design concepts emerging. So Lars, what are some of the cutting edge design trends that are reshaping cruise interiors? If we stay away from the design regarding the look and feel, where well, for sure everything is possible. Huh? So uh, every owner and every operator has its own design language and uh, serving his own market with his designs, how it looks. But if we go one step deeper and look into what is behind the scenes and uh, how are we managing that, there we see a lot of different trends. So to say the whole industry is looking forward to improve for sure on yeah, being much more efficient, uh, having shorter lead times in the production, having a much more efficient processes and so on. And in combination with being much more sustainable, this is, uh, this is really a great chance we are looking into. 
the challenge here is finding the right mix of all these different ways of, of producing, designing and manufacturing the interior for shots. And um, starting with the design, so how can we design, for example, a ceiling uh, without having a nice design looking nice with some different shapes, elevations and different domes and so on, but using as less material as possible and as light as possible and also as uh, reusable material as possible. So there, for example, in, in the past, a lot of development has, uh, has been done with materials like metal, which is then coated in a way that you can, so to say, create nearly every haptic and optic. And uh, this is a very big benefit in, in, in using reusable materials. Uh, also, how to insulate against fire, against noise, whatsoever, where the regulations request a certain insulation, You can use also different materials in there over the last years. And I think it's still a, a way to go that we improve that further and further. The choice of materials and how we are producing them has been improved already uh, in reduction of the mass of material that needs to be used for the square meter of interior outfitting, but also on weight and uh, the material itself. And I think there we are on the right track and still have to find the optimum in that to make sustainable, but also economical sustainable. And that's very important because it doesn't make sense if we have the most environmentally friendly, but nobody in the end is able to pay for that anymore. So there must be the right balance to make that happen. I see. So we're talking about an evolution of aesthetics, layouts, functionality, but also that sustainability side and making sure that that's something that we can achieve as much as possible. So how is incorporating technology, art and innovation being used to create immersive onboard environments? I want to take one step back, if you don't mind, to what Lars just said, because I think he just pointed out a very important angle of that innovation that you're looking for in, in design or what you call the cutting edge design trends. And I want to suggest another angle of view to that. I don't think it is about cutting edges. And, and you could hear the way Lars described it. I think it was very clear. It's not about cutting edges. It's about being more sensitive, more understanding. It's about having a finger on the pulse of, of the world, being able to source better, being able to design more economically, being able to design more sustainably, And all those put together are actually a new or, if you want, it's not a, a revolution, of course, it's an evolution of looking at our guests. Because all those things that we do, the guest doesn't see the technology in the ceiling. You, of course, you, you go on a ship, you can't see that. But if we know to tell the story, if we know how to share the process, the thinking and the effort, that went into creating this more sustainable, economical, smart ceiling, then we've contributed to the guest expectations because all of us, when we go traveling today, we want to know that we are doing it the right way, right? It's part of our enjoyment to make sure that we are doing it the right way. If we know that we've boarded a very problematic vessel, traveling the world, leaving marks everywhere, you know, destroying the environment, I don't think most of us will not feel very good with ourselves. So all those developments actually cater 
to what the guests expect. And all of us being guests, we share that expectations. It's not that you know there are professionals on one side and guests on the other sides, and the guests expect and the professionals deliver. You know, at given times, we ourselves are guests, and our expectations are identical. So I think there's a renewed, more sensitive approach to design that is really the important change or the important evolution in the past few years. It's less so about the cutting-edge technology that, of course, enables a lot of it, but it's more about that new thinking. Well, tell. I want to come back to looking at immersive experiences. But before I do, picking up on that point, I'd like to ask you, what are the key elements that contribute to exceptional guest experiences on board from a design perspective? You just described it very well. So even we cannot really see if we just look onto the ceiling or onto the wall, what's behind it? What is the technology behind it? How is it designed? What were the logistic ways for everything to come together? It must look nice. It must be amazing if you enter a ship and you enter the ship and, and, and the atrium opens up and it looks nice and you have nice areas, nice materials and so on. That's a must-have. I mean, we want to entertain our passengers. But is it a marketing topic? Is it how to tell the story of this guest experience and what is behind the scenes. Huh? More and more this pops up and uh, I think the passengers are aware of how are these ships operated? How are these ships built? So there's a high interest in And it can only be exceptional if the whole story is good. Not only the story of we run on uh, super CO2 neutral fuel or whatsoever, but also what is in the ship. And this story we have to tell the right way and I think that connects very much to what Tal just said. When we are able to transport this story in the right way, and uh, that's what we are trying to do also with the marine interiors in September, that we look into the greener future altogether. And I think that's the, that's the big uh, challenge we are facing, uh, that we are all speaking the same language and um, convincing um, all the shareholders of, of this nice industry, accepting this, understanding this, and even further transporting this. That's, uh, I think, one of the biggest challenges we are facing today. Do you have anything to add to that, Tal? Yes, although I think Lars covered it. But again, from, from the other side of looking at it, what is an exceptional experience in general? What is an exceptional human experience? And I think it's a combination between the ability to be excited and the luxury of being given or finding a moment of quiet where you can actually process whatever it is you were excited about so that the experience doesn't just fleet and disappears. And I think that cruise ships have a wonderful opportunity of creating exactly those moments. It's not just the experiences that are happening on board, designed or authentic, but also the ability to carry guests around the world and take them to other cultures and then giving back that moment or that perspective with quiet that you can get on board the ship once you reboard and before you go to the next experience. So I would say that an exceptional guest experience for me on board the cruise ship would be that combination 
when a brand knows to identify me well enough and I keep changing, what I want now is going to be different than what I want five minutes from now. And what I want in the morning is going to be very different than what I want in the evening and so on and so forth. If the brand identifies me well and knows how to cater to those moments of excitement that I'm hungry for, and that's why I left home and paid money and boarded a ship and went somewhere, but also give me those quiet moments, which are very difficult. If you think about it, designing a vessel that is confined by definition, that hosts many people on it, and still be able to give those people pockets of quiet so that they can process the experiences they're undergoing is not a little challenge. And I think the industry becomes better and better at, at it. But that's what I would call an exceptional guest experience. So can you share any experiences that you have had of cruise interiors that have redefined the onboard experience for you as a passenger? And as a second part to this question, are you able to expand on experience that being brought to that onboard experience as well? And maybe we could start with Lars. It's a bit difficult, to be honest, as a uh, cruise ship sales and design person. Uh, entering a ship, you always take a look onto the ceiling, how are the walls built, and uh, what flooring is installed. But immediately while doing that, you recognize, okay, this feels good. And then, for sure, uh, what I always do is um, also slightly touching it and uh, trying to get a feeling for it. So how is that done? What kind of uh, material is used? And... Um, I've been on, on several cruise ships uh, over the last years and also on uh, different ferries. And uh, I must say, for sure, completely different markets. But on both types of vessels, I was able to recognize a huge difference between the different operators. And that was quite interesting to see. And I really appreciate it always when you see, okay, this concept is thought through. Huh? So how the material has been used and how from what you could see from the surface, but how it was done also. And if they were used uh, standardized systems, for example, but then brought into a nice way of design. So intelligent solutions. And yeah, I really appreciated that installed on the ships and not always going the most simple way, but not most efficient, but and also maybe not most sustainable way. And Tal, what about you? It's not easy to single out an experience. I think on every ship I've ever been, there was a moment of an exceptional experience. But when I was a student in New York, one of the things I loved to do was to go into the Disney store on Fifth Avenue, walk in, turn around, stand and look at the people walking in through the revolving doors. Because you could see them through the window. People each with their own facial expression, uh, you know, and, and um, attitude and body language before they enter. And then the door would swivel and they come in and all of them reacted the same way. Everybody smiled, regardless of age, regardless of whether or not they were in the middle of a conversation, what was their face, ex facial expression before they walked in and so on. And I thought this is an amazing magic. And I would take friends there to see the magic, to see how that happens. And I kept thinking, how do you create an environment where anyone who walks in smiles? That's 
pure magic. And then I walked into the, I, I don't know what the current name is, but I walked into the family suite on Disney Wish, the last, uh, the most recent Disney ship finish that we, you know, had an opportunity to, to be working on. And it was exactly that feeling. The ability of a brand to design a space into which you walk and smile, I think is exceptional. And it's, it's not something that you as a guest expect from a space. You don't expect to walk into a space and smile. Just not an expectation that you'd list, you know, on your list of wishes going anywhere. But this is exactly what happened when I walked into that suite and, and spent time in it. And I think that this is a beautiful example of wonderfully reading your guest and providing more than what they would expect or different than what they would expect, but along the line of what all of us would want from luxury time on board a ship. Well, it sounds like a very special experience and I can see why you would want to capture that, that feeling when it comes to stepping aboard a cruise ship. But I'm moving on to an area now that I would really appreciate um, your, your, your guidance on, and that's navigating complex supply chains. Because on the other hand, what are some of the challenges in the supply chains? that are being, you know, you're being confronted with when it comes to cruise interiors. How can supply chain disruption impact design, production, and that really important guest experience? Lars, what do you think? Supply chains will affect at least everything if they're not running well. <laughs> and that is uh, something we, we felt in the last, let's say, uh, three, four years very much due to uh, certain incidents that happened to the world and uh, also especially to Europe, when building up a production for these kind of ships, including as sustainable as possible uh, design solutions uh, and uh, technologies, the supply chain must run. So if there's a, just a little uh, hiccup in that, uh, uh, we will face uh, challenges and um, then immediately you have to look in, uh, into solutions uh, how, to, how to mitigate that. And that is always disturbing different factors and one will be definitely uh, the sustainability and, and it will have an economical impact. So therefore it is very important defining how to make that as sustainable and as economically sustainable as possible uh, because only if we define that properly and we know what to do in these uh, supply chains then we can really uh, take the benefit out of that. If we try to customize this every now and then and uh, making here a solution and there a different one we will never find the right way to do, and it will ever always uh, uh, cost a fortune on that. And um, so therefore, it's very important having this really specified and uh, directed and also observed that this is running. And if we see something is not working the way we were planning, we immediately have to find a good way how to improve the overall and not just uh, small single solutions, but uh, uh, creating a, a proper uh, supply chain on um, yeah, all the ways we are doing. Huh? So, I mean, this is this goes, yeah, to be honest, uh, beyond the interiors only. That's for the whole product in the end, very important, but for sure also for that. One big challenge we are always facing as the interior is always the last being installed in the production of these nice vessels. 
very often then installation suffers on the very shortened time frame because uh, so the, the one department is using a little bit more time and the other again a little bit and then uh, so uh, time pressure is very much on the installation of the interiors and there also we have to find mitigations to uh, make that as, as uh, smooth as possible. Tal, do you have something to add to that side of uh, things, the supply chain, how we can um, minimize disruption when it comes to the impact on design, production and that guest experience? I'm listening to Lars and, and I, I think to myself, what, what a beautiful two sides of the coin both of us see. I was once invited to give a an address to a group of CEOs of innovative companies by, by the bank that uh, invested in them. And I was thinking, how do I even, coming from the arts, how do I even explain what it is that we do so that those people who come from technology and, and biotechnologies understand what I'm talking about? I'll tell you what I think a supply chain is in my world. I don't even know what it really means. Because if you think about it, on the art side, when we start a project, we don't know who the suppliers are going to be. We don't know what they're going to produce. We don't know what will they produce it from. We don't know the materials. We don't know the sensitivity of the materials. We don't know the dimensions. We don't know the weights. We don't know the colors. We know very little about what it is we will actually have to handle at the end of the selection process. That puts us in a very interesting spot vis-a-vis the supply chain. Because unlike goods that are pre-known, like you know you will have to deliver a chair. The chair may be you know, different in a sense, but it'll have four legs and a back, and it'll weigh between this and that, the dimensions of which will be between this and that as well. We have no idea what we're going to end up with. So the longer the design process takes, the more complex our supply chain becomes. The less time we have to enable an artist to go through the artistic process, because it's not just that we don't know what the artist will produce, the artists don't know either. So the shorter we give the artist for that creative process, and then for the production itself, the more complex our supply chain becomes. Now, on a large ship, it can be 10,000 different works coming from hundreds of artists in God knows how many countries and cities around the world. Now, working with artists also means that there is no support that we get for our supply chain. They're not factories. They're not fabricators who know how to pack, crate, import, export, and so on and so forth. Everything needs to be done from our end. So we have to support all of our suppliers understanding and designing the supply chain for each one of those products. So when we look at the the supply chain, it's a big question mark at day one. And the longer the question mark sustains through the design process, the more complex becomes the process itself. Obviously, I can talk about this for the next six hours. I will not. But just to introduce another layer of complexity that a certain element in the design of ships namely the art side of it, has. Well, thank you. And talking of layers of complexity, just how innovative and forward-thinking the marine interior segment is becoming. I wanted to move to my 
final question, which is looking at nautical luxury, benchmarking to hotels, because we're seeing hotel brands entering the cruise space. In fact, there will be a session at the upcoming Marine Interiors Global Expo on designing for luxury. So how is the crossover of concept and expectation married together? And how can we look at the ways in which cruise ships and ferries rival top tier hotels in terms of luxury? Is that achievable? Tal, what do you think? Well, first of all, I don't think we rival anybody. I think we contribute on both ends because luxury, and that's an extremely complex term to even define today, is not necessarily the same on land and at sea. It has its own tones and differences and expectations on on both ends. And I think there's a lot to learn from the thinking about luxury, the attempt to provide luxury to guests on land versus that of doing it at sea. Now, I'm not going to attempt to define luxury now in the the few minutes we have left, but um, for me, luxury would be guessing what I want and catering to that at any given moment. That's luxury for me. And I can give many examples, but I think it's, it's understandable that I want to walk into a hospitality environment and know that all that's going to happen there is that the people that are hosting me will best guess what it is that I want, again, given that it changes continuously, and cater to that. I think that the cruise industry does a beautiful job in that. There's so much thinking, there's so much effort that's being poured into enabling each and every guest a personal um, treatment that there is a lot to be learned um, on land from the, the thinking and the disciplines and the methodologies that are developed by cruise ship brands to get or to achieve that. On my side to that question, I think it's not the question how to define the luxury. So what is luxury? The interesting thing is in the shipping sector, we have regulations that are different to on land. So therefore, how to define the same level of luxury uh, from land compared to ships um, is sometimes a bit difficult because maybe the price increases just because of the regulations. But is it more luxury just because it costs more? I don't think so. So there we are back to the passenger experience. And therefore, we had a quite good insight in this round. So what's about the supply chains, the the experience, how to create the nice designs? And if we are able to combine all of these, I think we are putting that together and creating this kind of luxury we would like to offer in the different scales we are achieving. I mean, so is a ferry a luxury product? Question mark. Depends on how I will outfit it. Is a cruise a luxury product? Also there, huh? so we can discuss another six hours how to define the level of luxury in that. But if we are able to define the elements we just discussed in this podcast, I think we are one step ahead on that. And uh, then the next thing we can face is how to compare that to land-based buildings. But what is the possibility on land-based buildings to improve on that and all these aspects? Uh, and I think if we extend this, uh, so to say, um, idea on that as well, uh, this can become a, a quite 
a diverse discussion in that sense uh, because uh, the boundaries are completely different and uh, uh, so therefore um, it, it's always the um, the need let's say to to look also on the other side of the of the fence and uh, look what uh, is the other the neighbor doing huh so how are hotels uh, facing these challenges how are I don't know, office buildings facing these challenges. And uh, I think if we do so and are open-minded on that, we can uh, improve a lot. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure hearing your insights. Personally, I've really enjoyed hearing you speak about cultural sustainability, as well as some of your personal experiences and what has made a standout experience for you when it comes to being on board a cruise ship and the aesthetics and layouts and the functionality that have made it extra special. It's also been a real pleasure hearing you speak about new benchmarks for opulence, convenience and leisure. So thank you very much for your time and to everyone listening, I would encourage you to explore that expo from September the 6th to 8th in Hamburg to stay updated with the latest trends in marine interiors. You can also visit the website www.marineinteriors-expo.com. Thank you for everyone for listening and I look forward to seeing many of you soon in Hamburg. <laughs>